Wonderful. All right. Let's take our Bibles this morning and let's listen to that plane go over the church. (laughs) That's not the loudest I've ever heard. One time we had some fighter jets fly out about 11.15 one day at church and it shook this whole building. I tell you what. But anyway, let's take our Bibles. Let's go to Luke 22 this morning. Luke 22 and we'll be in verse 54 in just a moment. But uh, what we've done for the past few Sundays and leading into Christmas and holiday seasons, what we've done is we're looking into some different subjects that uh, surround this season, holiday season, uh, different subjects, different uh, texts, different passages that we can take, read, and practically apply to our lives during these holiday seasons in which we are in. And really, it's not just reserved for these times, just so you know that. Uh, but rather it should be a daily thing every day of our life. But so far we've considered the subject of this, the subject of thankfulness. And we looked at the text in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. It says this, And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And thankfulness is, remember, it's not just a seasonal thing, but it should be something we do every single day of the year. It should be a daily thing. The Bible reminds us of that when you read in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, in Hebrews 13, 15, by Him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. Uh, so we should be thankful daily. We should be thankful continually because we have so much, as born-again believers, so much to be thankful for, do we not? But let me ask you a question this morning. Are you? Are you a thankful Christian? Are you a thankful believer? And then we considered this subject last time. We considered the subject of joy. Now, I do understand that during this time of year, it can be hard for some to find a reason to be joyful. And that could stem from different situations and circumstances of life, either from the past or even in the current present. But in spite of our circumstances from the past or in the present, We can have and be joyful people because, listen, our joy is not dependent on what happens to us. No, that's happiness. Joy and happiness are not the exact same thing. We can be joyful in spite of our circumstances. Why? Because the source of our joy is not found in what we have, but it's found in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the source of all joy. He changes not. Therefore, you and I, dear believer, can be joyful no matter what goes on. Around us. So we consider the subject of joy. And now we're going to consider something else this morning. And before we do, before I let you know the subject we're going to consider, let me ask you this question. When you get together for the holidays, uh, who is it that you get together with? You gather with family and friends. That's good. I'm so glad you do. Now, if you're here this morning, you don't have family or friends to gather with, let me give you a personal invitation. To gather with Kenny at his house. All right? No. <laughs> he said, come on. <laughs> no. But uh, that's because he's going to be gone at, on, on, around Christmas. That's why he said, come on. <laughs> but anyway. But, uh, but listen. We gather together with family and friends this time of the year. Majority of us, majority of us would. And do you know what uh, this gathering together, it offers us? Again, Really? It gives us another opportunity for for this. You know what it offers us? It offers us another opportunity to be a witness to our family, 
to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ with our friends once again. To tell them of the life-changing message, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have such an opportunity during this time of year to share our faith in the Lord. Uh, Let me ask you a question. Do you have, do you personally know of, family or friends that do not know the Lord? Do you know somebody? Raise your hand. You know somebody. Wow. Just about everybody raised their hand. Either know someone or have family that does not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Now, let me ask you this question. Will you see them this time of year? Will you see them? Anybody? You'll see some of them? Okay. You'll see some of them. Well, let me encourage you to do this this time of year. Knowing that they don't know Christ and you know you'll see them, let me encourage you highly to share with them once again the gospel of Jesus, of Jesus Christ. And maybe you're saying, well, well, Pastor, I have some family that I won't see this time of year. They'll be gone to another family's uh, member's house or out of state, yada, yada, whatever it may be. Well, can I encourage you to do this? Sit down and write them a card, a Christmas card. And in that Christmas card, you can write out the gospel, share your testimony, put in there a gospel track, that kind of thing. You can do that. Just share the gospel. It's such a great opportunity. God gives us this time of year to be a witness one more time for our friends and family. Now, we know that we are to be witnesses, right? We know this. We know we're commanded from Scripture to be, to be witnesses for Him. And we can see this commandment several times throughout the Bible. In Matthew 28, 19, the Bible says, Go ye, therefore, and teach all nations. Mark 16, 15, Go ye in all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Again, Acts 1, 8, Ye shall be witnesses unto me. Jesus speaking in each and every time there. It seems to me that it's really simple that God wants us to do. This is the will of God. That you and I would be witnesses unto Him, for Him. That you and I would give the gospel to those around us. We've been commanded by God Himself to do so. And besides, all around us there are people who are struggling. There are people who are dying. The Bible says this in Hebrews 9, 27, As is appointed to men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Now there are statistics, I don't know sometimes how they get these statistics, but there are statistics that put out some time ago that said that just about every second and around the world, now over 8.5 billion people, two people die every second. Now I don't know how they get that statistic, but it's still thought-provoking nonetheless. And we just never know when we'll have another opportunity to gather with friends and family, as important as that is, but this right here, to give them the gospel, is even more so important. We don't know when the last time it will be we'll have that opportunity to do so. Now some folks struggle with how to give the gospel perfectly. I understand, I understand that, but you can do this. When you give the gospel this, this season... When you gather together, you can give them your personal testimony. What a great way to share the gospel. If you look at the life of the Apostle Paul, that's what he did many times. He would go into a city, give the, give the gospel through his testimony of how he came to know Jesus as his Savior. You can read that as well in Acts 22 when he was arrested and, take, and being taken to the palace. As he's going up the steps to the palace, he beckoned to one of the guards to allow him to speak to the people. His brethren, the Jews that were following, and of course they hated his guts for what he did, but, but he wanted to speak unto them. But you know what he said? The last thing, one of the last things he said to them was this simple truth. His testimony of how he came to faith in Christ there on the Damascus Road. He gave them his testimony. 
And then you can do this. I already mentioned it already, but you can give someone a gospel track as you, as you gather with them to this holiday season. Put it in the gift that you give them. Put it in that little card you give them with 100 bucks or whatever as you want to give them for Christmas. You say $100. You not heard about inflation? Okay, fine. $50, whatever, all right? But whatever you do, you give them a gift, put a track in there. They'll get the gospel. Now, personally, I like tracks because I believe that tracks can go in places that we cannot. And I believe this wholeheartedly in Isaiah 55, verse 10 through 11. For as the rain cometh down and snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be. Here it is, listen. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return, return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. I believe when we give out the gospel through these little tracks that we have, look, uh, these tracks that we have, I believe they will not return to God void. God can use these things. The gospel is plainly laid out in these gospel tracks that we have. How that people are sinners, how that God loves them, how God died for them, how he's buried for them and rose again from the grave for them. And if they put their faith and trust in Christ, they too can be saved. Listen, it's simple. It's simply laid out here. And I believe in go places we, we cannot and God do a great work through these tracks. I believe it wholeheartedly. I've heard testimony after testimony of how people came to faith in Christ because they picked up a piece of paper that had the gospel in it, read it, trusted Christ as their Savior. I had a friend of mine tell me a testimony one day how he heard how, how the um, prisoners on work release were working up and down the interstates, picking up trash and, and that kind of thing. You know what I'm talking about? But uh, they were picking up trash and whatnot. And, and a guy was going past down the interstate, and he's like, you know, they got to pick up trash. Huh. And so he started throwing out gospel tracts out the window. And come to find out that later on, months down the line, somebody wrote to the church that uh, they got the address on, on the gospel track. Wrote to the church and let that church know that it was through one of those gospel tracts that he found on the side of the interstate that he trusted Christ as his Savior. <laughs> so my friend, if you heard that testimony, began going up and down the interstate throwing tracts out the window every time he saw someone on the side of the road, you know. Now I'm not saying you go do that, but I'm just saying that's the power, really, of the written Word of God. And I'm thankful for gospel tracts. Listen, you can do that. We know where to be witnesses and we know how we can be. But the question that I really want to get to this, this morning is this. Are you? Are you going to? Will you give the gospel? Will you be a witness for the Lord? I believe it was Dr. Lee Robertson that's, that's at least credited for saying this. He said, if people are not getting saved, it's because of one of two things. Either the gospel is not being given out like it should, or the gospel has lost its power. And as you read your Bible in Romans 1.16, you know that the gospel has not lost its power because it is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel is. It's not lost its power one bit. So the thing must be, uh, if people, we're not seeing people getting saved, or if we may not be seeing people get saved, it could be that we're not giving the gospel out as we should. But why? Why do we as believers fail sometimes to do that as we should? Well, it's one little word that creeps in our lives and that can paralyze us from giving the gospel out. Here it is. You ready? Fear. Fear can cause us to do some very silly things. Cause us to freeze up and be paralyzed. Fear can cause us to not to give out the gospel as we should. And in our text in Luke chapter 22, I believe that's what happened with 
the mighty apostle Peter. And that's why he didn't speak up. When he had such an opportunity to do so. Look at, look at it with me. Luke 22 and verse 54. Luke 22 and verse 54. The Bible says this. <clears throat> then took they him, that's Jesus, took they him and led him and brought him into the high priest's house. And Peter followed afar off. I'm afraid that's where many believers are, following Jesus afar off. That's a message for another time anyway. Verse 55. And when he had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. But a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire and earnestly looked upon him and said, This, this man was also with him. And he denied him, saying, Woman, I know him not. And after a little while, another saw him and said, Thou art also of them. And Peter said, Man, I am not. And about the space of one hour, another confidently affirmed, saying of a truth, this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately while he yet spake, the cock crew, and the Lord turned, looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Our fathers, we consider your word this morning, consider the subject of being witnesses for you, really your last verbal command as your feet were planted upon this earth. God, help it to be one of our first concerns, especially as we consider in the context of family and gathering with friends. Help us to be bold witnesses for Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now understand, usually when you look at the Apostle Peter and you find him speaking Usually, you find him not afraid to speak up and speak his mind. You know what I'm talking about? He is credited to having that uh, foot and mouth disease. Really, he did. But uh, he was never usually afraid to speak up and speak his mind. Peter, oftentimes, you look at his life and study his life in Scripture, would seem so brave so often. After all, it was just a few short moments from this text that we're in that even Peter himself was not afraid to take a sword and try to cut off a man's head. He missed and got his ear, but he went for the throat, no doubt, all right? But he was not, uh, he was not afraid, usually, to speak up and speak his mind. He was not afraid to get into a fight and get into a tussle and even go after the high priest's servant's head. He, wasn't a, he was not a sissy at all. But now in this moment, it would seem that Peter seems to be a little, well, fearful. Because Peter, at this moment, he is silent. It even goes as far as verbally denying the Lord Jesus Christ. But why? Why is he not speaking up? Why is he not uh, standing up for the Lord? Why is he seemingly silent when it comes to Jesus in this moment when he has such a great opportunity? Well, again, it's just one little tiny word that's so paralyzing. It's fear. On the count of three, I want you to tell me what you're most afraid of. All right, I'm going to give you five seconds, and then I'm going to count to three. What are you most afraid of? Think about it. I'm wasting time right now, so you can think about it. You got it in your head yet? All right. On the count of three, tell me what you're most afraid of. One, two, three. I'm afraid of those things, too. All right. I think I heard somebody say, my mother-in-law. <laughs> I think I heard a man say, my wife. No, I'm just kidding. But we all have fear of something. But do you know what the number one, according to a survey, a recent survey, the uh, number one most fearful thing in people's lives, you know what the number one thing is? What I'm doing right now. Public speaking. Even a famous man once said this. He said, I'd rather be in the casket than giving a eulogy. <laughs> okay. 
That's pretty strong fear there, okay? But public speaking. So this could be why many believers fail to speak up when, when we should. The fear of public speaking. And listen, the vast majority of the time when it comes to giving the gospel, it won't be in a large setting like this one where you stand up before 100, 150, 200 people or more and give them the gospel and talk to them, speak to them. That's not the vast majority of the time. But if God gives you that, don't shy away from it. Give the gospel. But the majority of the time when it comes to you and I giving the gospel, it's not going to be in a large setting like this. Rather, majority of the time, it'll be in a one-on-one type of setting. And in those moments, we have uh, the opportunity to witness and to, and to tell people about Christ. And in those moments, I want you to know a very powerful and uh, encouraging truth from the Word of God. You ready? This helps me so much. And I hope God brings it to your memory when God pricks your heart to, to, to give the gospel and to be a witness. But he brings this verse, or at least this phrase, to your mind. Here it is. The Bible says this in Mark chapter number 16, verse number 20. And they, that's the disciples, the apostles, went forth, preached everywhere. Here's the phrase. The Lord working with them. Never forget it. When you preach, give the gospel, understand God, the Lord is working with you. You have a great power that is working with with you. God is working with you. Therefore, knowing that, don't be silent. Don't be silent. Speak up for the Lord In those God-given moments and opportunities, don't be silent. Don't be silent. Listen, too often though, when we have those opportunities, we become silent. We become silent. We freeze up because because of fear. And we try to justify that silence. When we know we should speak up, we try to justify it. We say things like, Lord, they don't... Now, Lord, they don't want to talk to me. Little old me. They don't, they don't have time for me. And Lord, you know, you know, they ain't going to listen anyhow. I mean, I've done it before, kind of. They're not going to listen anyway. And Lord, I'll make a deal with you. I'll just do it next time. And so, so right now what I'll do, Lord, is I'll just pray for them. How about that? <laughs> we justify our silence. How many know what I'm talking about? Oh, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. And I'm sure most of us can recall a time in our life when we were silent and we could have spoken up and been a witness. And I know we're not proud of those moments, but understand. Understand if we are silent, especially when we have a clear opportunity to speak up for the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are being like Peter in this moment. And though you may not verbally deny the Lord, with your silence, we are. It's very heavy. With our silence, we can deny the Lord Jesus Christ. All because of this one little word of fear. So quickly this morning, that was a long introduction. That's a big old front porch, Pastor. I know. Long introduction, but I'll try to keep the point simple and short. Let's consider this. Fears people have, or fears people give, rather, To not share their faith. Number one, the fear that people have, why they don't share their faith is this, the fear of being rejected. The fear of being rejected. Now who here, let me ask you a question, who here you hate being rejected? You don't like being rejected. You like making people 
just be honest, make people happy, people please you. It's okay, I'm that way too. But I had to learn early on, if I want to make everybody happy, I can't be a pastor. I just need to go sell ice cream or something, you know. Ice cream makes everybody happy, but anyway. But sometimes we, we have the tendency to make people happy, want to please people, and we're afraid if we speak out or, or whatever, we may not do so and therefore be rejected. This is the number one fear that people have is why they don't necessarily share the gospel as they ought to because they don't want to be rejected. And this could be from uh, reasons could be because, well, it's, it's folks like me, preachers, pastors. It could be our fault in some of the ways we phrase things and say things. Because sometimes I've heard it said this way, speaking of being a witness, they'll say, well, we just need to get people saved. Uh, we just need to bring people to Christ. And I understand what they're saying. But some folks, as they listen to these words, those action words, and we need to take action in witnessing. I'm not saying we don't. Don't misunderstand me. Uh, But these phrases, they put a lot of unnecessary pressure on believers because one, get the sense that it's all up to them to save a person from hell. It's all up to them to transform, transform a person from the power of darkness unto the light that's found in Christ. But understand this. You don't have that power to save anybody. You don't save a soul. When I learned that early on, that was the most freeing truth I ever found out when it came to the matter of witnessing. I've never saved anybody. Never. Nor will I. You see, it's up to God. Only God can do that. We never saved anyone. God never asked a believer to cause the salvation of another person's soul. That's God's work. But he uses us to give out the message. They give out to message. It's not our message about us because it's not about us. No, it's the message of Jesus Christ. And that's the message we give. And so when they reject that message, they don't reject you. They reject the Lord himself. Understand, if you witness to someone tomorrow, And that individual gets saved. That individual, uh, a few years from now, becomes the next leading evangelist or whatever, or the next uh, great pastor in church history. Can I ask you this question? Would you ever be able to take the credit of that person's salvation? No, pastor, we could not do that. Amen, that's right. You could not take the credit for that, okay? You could not. Now, you go out and you witness to someone tomorrow and uh, you give them plainly the gospel message of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection and they need to accept Him as their Savior and they don't get saved. Can you take credit for their rejection of Jesus? No. You cannot take credit for the victories. You cannot take credit for the rejections because it's not about you. It's about Jesus and His message. So it's not your message, it's the message of Christ. And so they're not rejecting you, but they're rejecting the Lord. I don't like rejection either. It's a big fear for many people, and it stops people in their tracks from ever giving the gospel. But understand something, it's not about you. It's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's it's His message, and it's on the part of the hearer to accept or reject the message of Christ. All right, what's the number one fear? Well, being rejected. Number two fear is this one, of not knowing enough. <laughs> uh, some, people, some people say, well, I just don't know enough to give the gospel. 
And really, it's interesting, uh, as people give this excuse, or, or fear rather, of why they don't give the gospel, it's interesting that the, this fear is more expressed by those who have been saved for a number of years, by those who would be seasoned saints, if you will. Uh, there was a research project that was uh, several years back that was given that revealed that most people who personally led a person to the Lord uh, did so in the first year or two or three of themselves being saved. Why? Because when a person comes to faith in Christ, everything becomes new. They have a new love, new love for the Bible, new love for the church, new love for God's people, a new love for, for just being around the things of God. And with that also comes a new zeal to tell others what happened to them because they are a completely new creature in Christ. And they're excited to tell it, what Jesus did for them. That new zeal. Do you remember it? You're here and you've been saved. You know Jesus as your Savior. Do you remember that zeal or that desire to tell someone what happened to you? Man, I do. I remember. I remember. Immediately told my friends what happened to me. Went home and told my family. Got on the phone, called some other family members. Told them what happened to me. I was excited to tell them all that Jesus had done for me. Did I know everything completely, absolutely, 100% to a T? No way, man. But I do know that God changed my life in that moment. Changed me forever. And then I began to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. But I remember having that zeal to tell others about the Lord. Now it could be true that the longer a person is a believer, the more they realize just how little they know about the faith. The more I know, the less I know kind of thing. The more I realize, the less I know kind of thing. But... But understand, believers can become so conscious of the many things they need to learn that they forget how simple it is to come to faith in Christ. As Paul put it in 2 Corinthians eleven three. But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. To understand it's not an abundance of knowledge through a theological doctor's degree that is needed to tell someone of the love of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. You don't need all of that. If you know Jesus as your Savior, you know enough how He changed your life, how He saved you, how you're on your way to hell, but because you heard the message of Jesus Christ and you believed on Him as your Savior, your now eternal destiny is heaven because of Christ. You can be a witness. You do know enough. You do. You can tell others. Be a witness even if our voices tremble. Our knees knock together. We stumble over our words, even if our timing is poor, and even if we struggle to make our witness very clear. Understand, God can still use that. Therefore, be a witness. But you know what He cannot use? He cannot use our silence. Speak up and tell someone of Jesus Christ. What an opportunity God's going to give us. He gave a great opportunity this past past Thanksgiving, this past week. God's going to give another opportunity this coming Christmas season as well. Speak up for the Lord. So what's fears that people have when it comes to giving the gospel or being a witness for Him? Well, they'll be rejected. They fear they don't know enough. Then there's this one. They fear they may offend someone. They fear they may offend a friend or family. Now I am completely understand this. I completely understand this, that truth does offend. There is a lot of truth even in our hymns that we sang, even the one we sang about the comforter has come, that last verse, 
Though I a child of hell. Look, you start thinking about that, that'll hurt your feelings. And we're singing about it, all right? But listen, I, we were a child of hell going on, on our way to hell because of our sin that we have and committed. Look, but because of Jesus, we're no longer a child of hell, but of heaven. Understand the truth does cut. It's part of its job. It's a sword of the Spirit. It's part of its job. It does offend. But it also sets people free. But sometimes people get in their minds, if I speak the truth, if I speak the truth in love, that's key. If I speak the truth in love, I may offend someone. We've got to get over ourselves, right? When it comes to this matter of witnessing, we have to. You know, when it comes to those that are closest to us, we often say we'll do anything for them. We'll, we'll give them food. We'll, we'll help them move for the 76th time. Uh, we'll give them the shirt off our back. We'll even give them money, except for that crazy cousin who just got out of prison for the ninth time. You know, we'll give him gift cards. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Anyway. <laughs> but when it comes to family and those closest to us, we'll say, man, we'll do anything we can for you. But when it comes to this decision of giving them the gospel, why so often do we freeze up? Why so often do we not speak up? And think to ourselves, well, they don't really want to hear it anyway. I'll just pray for them kind of thing. Why do we do that? When it comes to those closest around us. Because many times we're afraid of offending them. Let me ask you this. If a car was speeding and jumped the sidewalk where your family or friend that you're close to was walking, what would you do? Would you just look at that car and look at your friends and family and say, Oh, Lord, I better pray for them. Or would you, would you look at your friends and family that are walking and his car coming right at them? Would you be silent and, and, and be, uh, not be silent and afraid that if you speak up or, or yell at them, you may startle them by your, by your scream? Would you, would you do that? What would you do? Would you be silent to your family member that's about to die because of a car wreck? You say, well, pastor, it depends on the family member. No. I, I need to stop. I'm sorry. <laughs> But if you saw this, what would you do? I dare say many of us would start running toward him and say, Look out! Watch out! Watch out for the car! Look out! We wouldn't care if they were offended by our screams or by our truth that we're screaming to them or telling them. No, you would tell them. You would absolutely tell them. You would holler at them, tell them to look out, watch out, it's coming, move. You would warn them. You'd warn them. And folks, for many people, there is a Eternal destiny that is more likely to happen to them than them ever getting run over by a car. The Bible says this in Proverbs 27, verse 20, Hell and destruction are never full. Understand hell is a real thing. It is a real destination for people that do not know God. And the Bible plainly says it's never full. Never. So let me ask you again. Do you have friends and family that need to know Jesus as your Savior, as their Savior? Friends and family don't know Christ. Do you, do you know some on your heart this moment? Then can I encourage you to do this? Can you write down or would you write down their name on a piece of paper? Take one of those tithing envelopes. Write down their name on it right now. Do it. Write down their name and I encourage you to pray for them here in just a moment. Start that way. Absolutely. Pray for them this, this morning at the end of service. Start there. Don't stop there, but start there. 
That's where Paul even started in Romans chapter 10 and verse number 1. The Bible says, brethren, Paul speaking, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. So when it comes to witnessing, yes, start praying, but don't stop there. Don't stop there. Pray for that loved one, that family member that's on your heart. Yes. But the next time you see them, give them the gospel again. Tell them how God changed your life and warn them. Tell them the truth. Tell them the truth from the word of God. You can do it. There was a survey that was given about folks who came to know Jesus as their Savior. And one researcher noted in his findings that over a period of five years and in 43 different states, he noted this. He said that family and friends are still the main link for which bringing others to faith in Christ. And the answer to the question, what person was it that led you to to the Lord or who introduced you to the Lord? That question, as he asked that question to many people over five years, his findings were as follows, all right? He said this, 17.3% of people said a staff member of a church or pastor introduced me to Christ, gave me the gospel, and I got saved. It was 8.3% that it was a Sunday school teacher that led him to the Lord. A neighbor was 2.9%. A work colleague 1.8% or an other, they didn't know exactly what to put this under, but a little over 10% of people. But the biggest findings were from these individuals, friends. It was a friend that introduced them to Christ, 15.7%. But the biggest factor when it comes to those who came to faith in Christ was this, a family member, over 43%, said, my family is the one that introduced me to Christ. It was my family that brought me to church. It was my family that gave me the gospel. It was a family member that told me of the Lord Jesus Christ. He went on to say in, in this research, he said, obviously reaching out to one's own family is the chief relationship that leads to others coming to Christ. It is 2.5 times more impactful than pastoral staff members and three times that of friends. Look, you may want your pastor to go visit your family and give them the gospel, but I promise you it is nearly three times more, more uh, important or more impactful for you to do it than your pastor to do it. Amen, preacher. (laughs) I'm trying to tell you this morning, we have such an opportunity to reach our family with the gospel. And they need to hear the gospel from you as their loving family member or loving close friend. It's more impactful than if I ever came, a stranger, came to their house and gave them the gospel. I'm happy to do that. But it's more impactful from you. It's more vital to hear it from you. And don't let fear stop you. Don't let fear stop you from reaching your loved ones and family. During this holiday season. Now just so you know, I do completely understand it can be a fearful thing to share share your faith. And maybe you can give other reasons of why it's a little fearful for you than just these three that we considered and looked at this morning. I understand it can be fearful, but we must resist. Listen, we must resist the temptation to give in to those fears and remain silent. We must be people of courage. And courage is not the absence of fear. But courage is being afraid, any, afraid scared to death and doing it anyway. That's what real courage is. 
We must be bold believers and of good courage and give the gospel and not be silent when it comes to giving the gospel. So who is it that you need to pray for this morning? Start there. And who is it you must give the gospel, the gospel to? You know, one more thing will be done. Someone asked at one time, they said, well, what makes, what makes a person successful in witnessing? Uh, they want, they, meaning they want to be successful. They want to do it right. They want to be successful. Well, what is it that makes a person successful in that? Is it after you witness to someone, you're, you're able to lead them to the Lord and, and they pray and receive Christ in that moment? Is, is that what it means to be successful? Well, what if, what if we say to that, what if that's just the extra blessing? Could it be that this success is not necessarily found in the results of witnessing, but it's found in the obedience to witnessing? Sharing the gospel daily so that others can hear of Jesus from you. Living the Christian life daily so others can see Christ in you, the hope of glory, and trusting God for the results. Could that be what real success is when it comes to being a witness for Jesus? I dare say absolutely. Because remember, the results are not left up to you. Left up to God. It's God's work. And that person must respond to God and to God's word and to God's message. That person must freely do so. So success is not found in how many people led to Christ this year. No, it's found in your obedience to the Lord and giving the gospel day in and day out, especially as God gives us this wonderful opportunity one more time to share the gospel with our friends and family over this holiday season. But the question is, will you do it? Will you do it? You can. You know enough. God is working with you. You have that promise and you can do it. So I encourage you, give the gospel one more time. Do it again. These friends and family that you come in contact with of this holiday season. And in this moment as we pray, start there. Pray for those individuals.